You're listening to Extra Textual. This is a show where we talk about an idea, concept, theme, trend, and relate it to some kind of media like film, TV, video games, books, music, and hopefully discover something about ourselves or our culture along the way. Thanks for listening. Welcome to the show. This is Extra Textual, and I'm Eli Steenledge, and with me is... Jeremy Holiday. On this episode, we are talking Marvel Cinematic Universe. The MCU. The MCU. Kind of overall, and uh, how things are sort of wrapping up for this section, what they sort of call their different phases, which I think this is phase three, I want to say is what they're talking about, something like that. So we'll be kind of discussing what it might look like for phase four uh, for um, Marvel Studios and what they might do with that. But we'll kind of talk about storytelling and how the MCU has sort of transformed film narrative uh, and how we tell stories over, is this, is Endgame 22 or 23 films? Do you know? I want to say it's 22. Yeah, I think it's the 22nd. Yeah. So that is kind of unprecedented in of itself to tell a story over that many films and to be that popular. Uh, so yeah. we'll kind of relate this to some other film franchises and what that can do. Uh, but I think we want to kind of look at how they've sort of wrapped this up and pulled it together, what they've sort of done to transform narrative and storytelling in this format and uh, what that might look like for other franchises. And a little warning, I haven't seen some of these last couple films, but I think I sort of get the uh, the feel of it. And Jeremy is here to be our Marvel expert. Yeah, I mean, the, uh, in that I have uh, seen them. <laughs> exactly. So, and, and I have to admit, I am not overly excited to see Endgame compared to apparently the rest of the world. I am. I have not seen Captain Marvel. That's the other one as well, which I'm more excited to see Captain Marvel than Endgame, I would say, actually. I'm more interested to see that. But uh, before we kind of dive into kind of talking about the story and what this might mean going forward, let's just maybe talk about how you felt like things got wrapped up in these, especially Endgame, but um, I'm guessing Captain Marvel ties into, uh, into all of this as well. At least somewhat. Yeah, yeah. I mean, <clears throat> for people that haven't, um, if you've seen some of the Marvel movies and you mm-hmm. think of seeing Endgame, like you, um, <clears throat> you really have to go. I mean, you have to see Infinity War first to understand what's happening, essentially. Yeah. Um, and then after that, you should see Captain Marvel. Um, one because it's great. It's like probably one of my top three that they've hmm. made um, for a variety of reasons, um, and because uh, like the. There's a like the scene that happens after the mm. credits is sort of essential to understanding mm. how Captain Marvel pops up yeah. um, in the uh, in Endgame. Quick, quick interjection here. What's the rundown of those top three for you? I think I know your first. Well, the first is Iron Man. Iron Man. Yep. Um, and I, I'm gonna say it's like um, uh, it's Iron Man and the first Avengers and then Captain Marvel. Mm. That's pretty good. Um, I would say Iron Man's pretty high for me. I don't think. At least audiences didn't know that was going to be the beginning of a cinematic universe yeah. of superheroes at the time. It was just a solid superhero film yeah. entry um, that surprised people. 
this is maybe not as popular, but I'm sort of a fan. I'll talk more about why maybe, but of like um, Doctor Strange actually. Yeah, I yeah. enjoy it quite a bit. I don't know. I wouldn't say it's like the best, but I would probably put it at four. I and then like Thor Ragnarok at five. Thor Ragnarok is pretty fun. Yeah, standalone. But I think Doctor Strange. I was trying to think of any larger connections in that actual film to the larger universe, and I don't remember hardly any. In which one? Doctor Strange. I think it's just like, he's, he shows up in the next other films, yeah. but I think that is just sort of a standalone yeah, it story. Is. And, and I think, I mean, if I look, if I survey their successes, mm-hmm. um, you know, Iron, I mean, that, that film, which mm-hmm. introduces our character as they, like, move from ordinary into the worldly extraordinary, mm-hmm. yeah. um, uh, is, are probably the best. Yeah. Um, I mean, it's a very uh, Iron Man... Tony Stark storyline origin, yeah, similar, but yeah. And again, I mean, like, I mean, I think the thing that that Iron Man that I love for Iron Man at the time um, was that it has both an origin story and the first major conflict, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So Tony Stark comes about, mm-hmm. and then Tony Stark, you know, because even like we have the Mark One, yeah. right? And somebody could have made that film, right? Mm-hmm. He he, you know, like he gets out of the desert and we're done, right? Yeah. But we get a whole another movie's worth of stuff in there, and so yeah. of I mean. And to my mind, they've never, they have not crammed that level of conflict mm-hmm. and uh, multiple arcs into any of their other films. Yeah, which um, I want to talk about more too, but um, you can go back to the latest films. Oh, yeah. So, um, gosh, I mean, our listening audiences know that I could not stand <laughs> um, Infinity War, I think for a lot of reasons, which I count as logically and emotionally valid. Um, I saw Captain Marvel and loved it for a lot of reasons. Mm-hmm. Um, it felt like, I, I don't know how to describe it. I don't know what other critics or other folks say, but they were just like a little more loose with their storytelling mm. and focused a little more on characters and how things felt and um didn't focus as much on a whole bunch of details i mean Mm -hmm. i don't know her story very much i mean i know her as a character from she shows up in a couple other stories that Mm -hmm. i like Mm -hmm. um but you know i think they also changed her story a little bit to fit what they were doing Mm -hmm. um and, and she also i mean for those like that like she is like probably the most powerful good guy on planet earth with the possible exception of thor and i don't know who would win if they would fight right <laughs> yeah so we have her, this yeah. person you know he normal human being she mm-hmm. comes to her powers i mean and there's the first time well so one of the things that i'll say about endgame as a style is i really feel like it's like a pastiche film mm. it is like i mean there's like a whole bunch of like things that are taken from other films mm-hmm. like fat thor is literally the big lebowski i mean they make fun <laughs> of him for that various times in the film okay um, Paul Rudd, you know, as Scott Lang, as Ant-Man 2, is essentially like Marty McFly mm. um, and, and great at it. I mean, Paul <laughs> yeah, Rudd is adorable. Right. Um, and you have like the first 10 minutes of Endgame, which is, I think, some of the best, some of the best and subtlest filmmaking that they've made mm-hmm. is like straight out of The Leftovers. Which, yeah, which is, fa- you know, like, favorite, yeah. yes, season one, fantastic. Light, yeah. Lightning in a bottle, some of the best television that like humankind has ever produced. Right. And certainly also the most. season two. Well, yeah, <laughs> yeah except for the hotel yeah. part. Um, yeah. But I know you like that. I, 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 I disagree about two, but I, I have no arguments about one. I think it's fantastic. And so, yeah. and, there, and there are various other, like, tropes that they mm-hmm. use in there. And I think it's, um, as a result, like, one of their more successful, like, full entourage films. Mm-hmm. Um, I think, and I mean, this is just, like, me shooting from the hip. I think because they, 
they and they admit this in Endgame. They just give up on like making sense. Mm. I mean, they do like what what like Doctor Who like. Yeah. Doctor Who does at some point in an episode called Blink where he's like, blah, 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 just timey-wimey. Like, it's just mm-hmm. like, whatever stuff yeah. happens, we're going on in a freaking adventure, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and they establish some loose rules at the beginning of their time travel, yeah. and they just blow by all mm-hmm. of those. Yeah. Um, but, also, like, Looper, when he's like, I could explain and diagram this well, for you, but I'm yeah. not going to do that. However, like, yeah. in, in, I mean, but you do get some amazing moments in Looper. Right, you yeah. Have, like the the point at which where they're doing the surgery on the people and it's retroactively changing them. Mm, yeah, yeah. I mean, there's like there's some basic principles of that they stick like to. integrity of something. I mean, yeah. in, in Endgame, literally an older version of a person shoots the younger version of themselves. Mm. Like I, I mean, mm. you know, and 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 there, I mean, like I've in my speculative fiction <laughs> about time travel, you know, yeah. I've I've you know, one of the things I talk about is like. Um, in telling a story about time travel, you have to recognize like a primacy. Like, w- mm-hmm. like what is the, the, the a primacy? Like mm-hmm. a, is a given moment in time when you're telling a story yeah. the, the primary point? Or is it, you know, as some would advocate, um, all points in time are uh, have equal primacy. So you can't mm-hmm. like value one over the other because it doesn't right. sort of work. Mm-hmm. They're just like, yeah, whatever. Like we're like we are, we are gunslinging <laughs> and rip roaring through time mm-hmm. on a time heist. And <laughs> and the thing is like I that's the kind of thing that uh, I am apparently really into because <laughs> mm-hmm. I enjoyed it. It works for you. Yeah. Um, it's just because even I just like it's like when you, when you and I talked about watching. Alien Covenant. Mm-hmm. Um, the human was just, people just did such stupid things, yep. and I know that like that that person was trying to make a point about it. Mm-hmm. I don't know. I mean, like in, in Endgame, people make fun of like how stupid the characters' actions were in the first film, yeah. um, which is 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 what they need to do. I mean, mm-hmm. I think that um, they could not handle the kind of refinement of story that they needed to make mm-hmm. Infinity War, mm-hmm. um, and so when they loosen themselves up a little bit. And decided to like borrow from the best to make mm-hmm. these tropes of people mm-hmm. um, and characters and storylines. Um, it was fantastic. Yeah, I mean, or I mean, mm. I, I mean, fantastic is a bit strong. It was solid. Yeah, um, and they hit like essentially all the big emotional points they needed to. And 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 I felt like, I mean, this show was always filled with spoilers. So spoiler alert: right. Iron Man dies for real. <laughs> yeah. um, you know, and like, and that's sort of what ends the. This story arc, mm. right? And an arc that begins in Iron, Iron Man, Man in film one, it mm. gets wrapped up in here. Mm. And there's also really good follow-up sort of post-action epilogue for Captain America and mm. Agent Carter and a whole variety of things. I mm. think like the last, you know, 15 minutes of the film, which is sort of all epilogue, okay. um, it, it, it does really well to tie up those things. Mm-hmm. I mean, it could be, I mean, they, they very clearly missed in Infinity War, the opportunity to like build a masterpiece, mm. and and I don't know what these directors would say about what they did in Endgame, yeah. but what what it seems like they did to me is they realized that they they missed the mark, mm-hmm. and they tried to do the best with what they had. Um, do you think they were so focused on Infinity War that sort of surprise ending, like trying to shock people, like build to that, that they didn't focus on the whole story? Compared to maybe the way well, they did Endgame, or just, uh, it was just I mean, I would say, I mean, I, I mean, I I want to say that they like, they were they were really trying to blow people's minds, maybe. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, but the problem is, like, I don't think anybody who watched Infinity War mm-hmm. thought those people would stay dead. 
Mm, right. right. Yeah. I mean, it's like, okay, so like what kind of creative solution are we going to have? It's probably I mean, involving Doctor Strange. It's probably they involving also announced Man. like a Black Panther sequel. So right. it's obvious um, they're not staying. Right. And so like this isn't like 1985 or something. Mm-hmm. Like we are aware of the marketing. Like it's, it's you can't right. you can't pull Blair Witch again. It yeah, only yeah. happens once. That's right. a particular time. So I, I feel like they um, – because at some point, th- these are epic stories, right? Mm-hmm. So these are emblematic characters going on heroic journeys. Mm-hmm. Um, and they need everything that they do, every action that they take, especially big actions, have to be seen as part of a whole. I mean, one mm-hmm. of the reasons why epic poems and epic stories end up being so compelling is they are told and retold and retold hundreds right. and thousands of times over literally thousands of years, I think, mm-hmm. many of them. Right. Like, classics like the Epic of Gilgamesh and those sorts of things, like mm-hmm. that make it all the way to our present time. So they are refined, polished narrative gems. Yeah. Like, and they become, like Joseph Conrad talks about, like, I mean, you know, um, Joseph Campbell. Joseph Campbell, yeah. Um, you know, these, like, they're these, like, these archetypal journeys. Like, I mm-hmm. think that's how they come that way. Mm-hmm. Um, and Infinity War just doesn't do that. I mean, like, mm-hmm. at every step, like, somebody does something really stupid and mm-hmm. as I watch it, I'm like, oh, I know where you have to get. Yeah. Um, and in order for that to happen, like, a whole string of absurd things need to happen. <laughs> to pull that together. Um, uh, and I'm just like, okay, like, I'm just waiting until, okay, great, everybody dies. Great. Yeah. Like, ooh, evil wins. Yeah. Um, and I feel like um, I could have totally been in for the evil winning part mm-hmm. um, if they would have handled it better. Mm-hmm. Like, if there was, like, like... Why did they fail to get the gauntlet off him? Peter Quill's an idiot. Right. I'm like, he is, but like, it's freaking Thanos and it's half of human, it's half of like sentient existence in the universe. Mm-hmm. Like, as like dumb as Peter Quill is. Because the narrative said he's supposed to Right. Yeah. I'm like, you know, yeah. I mean, so I, they just, you know, again, I, I don't, they did not seem to be capable of either writing or editing or mm-hmm. polishing that bit of it. Well, However, this- I was going to say, going back to kind of talking about like this monomyth type idea, I think classically stories are supposed to have like a clear beginning, middle, and end. Yeah. And I think one of the problems, one of the challenges with something like the MCU is what what are those sort of pieces? Um, Because certainly this is a end, but they want to continue this because it's very financially... Yeah viable for them to keep going yeah um but they can't just kind of keep stringing people all along trying to bring all these characters together and i think in some ways the problems you're seeing are them sort of having to you know it's it's a fact of a big corporate machine trying to push it forward while people are trying to tell these stories in an effective way that keeps the audience running and connected to the characters and those sort of things butting up against each other yeah. and saying like, well, I mean, we can't give you all these detailed things and still have you be able to comprehend what's going on or for us to even keep it together, you know, yeah. um, and pull all those things together. So I, I yeah, no, yeah. I, I mean, so I, the few things I have to say are, so like thinking about like, like what is comparable, what is a comparable thing to the mm-hmm. MCU? The comparable thing I think, what I say is like, Star Wars universe, but particularly mm-hmm. like Clone Wars. Like yeah. one of the stories you get in Clone Wars, the really really long story mm-hmm. is about the like the how the Emperor rises to power. Yeah. Um. Over the course of his and you know this is decades his entire yeah. career, which is great. Um. You know, and it's, and there's movies and comic books and mm-hmm. whatever. It's punctuated. You know, mm-hmm. and um. But you do get to see 
both like serial fun stories in mm-hmm. Clone Wars as well as sort of like epic, yeah. you know, sort of things. Yeah. You know, also borrowing the same thing which goes all the way back to like uh, television story play mm-hmm. um, in X-Files where you had like scary monster ones and then you had sort of fun ones and then you had mm-hmm. sort of these like um, these lore ones that sort of were right. continued this sort of long story. Okay. Yep. Um, and I think that like that sort of episodic storytelling gets expanded into the Marvel Cinematic Universe where you have mm-hmm. like, you know, you need to have Captain America yeah. um, and you need like you know, one scene in Winter Soldier and one scene in Civil War. Like, because you need that to know, like, yeah. right. And so you have these moments or scenes inside of the larger films that sort of connect to make this larger narrative. And I think they're mm-hmm. aware of that. And and it works generally well. Um, but, I mean, like, I, I mean, there's a bittersweet, bittersweet part to it. Like, in Endgame, like, I think the reason they're able to salvage and make it successful is because mm-hmm. they just borrow stuff from everyone. Mm-hmm. And in some sense, to me, that record that... that is a recognition of like their their abject failure mm. um, to create um, new territory mm. with their films. Yeah, um, it, and, and I don't and and I, and I know that like things don't have to be innovative all the time. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think that uh, and I would and I I don't know if I would ever I don't even know if I'd say this out loud. I mean, <laughs> I, well, it's not. I mean, like I I would have rather have seen um, some really well thought out. Like, you know, if we were to take Infinity War and to mm-hmm. spend, you know, two years workshopping that script, mm-hmm. you know, with, you know, again, yeah. again, like, I mean, the production, so the other comparable places, I would say, like, The Lord of the Rings. Because if I think mm-hmm. about, so we have, like, a giant epic story, it's 22 mm-hmm. movies, right. but you also have a giant epic story in Lord of the Rings told very sparsely. Mm-hmm. Like, you could yeah. cut together a Marvel Cinematic Universe movie that's seven hours, eight hours long mm-hmm. has all these important moments in it from yeah. all these films and that would be a pretty damn good film. Mm-hmm. Right? Right. Um, and, you know, but like that's not how stuff is marketed. I mean, mm-hmm. like, dear listening audience, make that thing and show it to us. Right? <laughs> I'm sure it would be fantastic. Yeah. How it should have ended if you ever listened to this podcast, please have at it and <laughs> send it back Do to that. us so we can see it. Um, and so I... Uh, the question that I have at the end of it, you know, at the mm-hmm. end of Endgame is, um, do all of those moments that don't serve this larger narrative, are they, do we need them? Superfluous, yeah. Um, and the answer is, well, I don't know. I mean, like, because if I think back across the 22 movies, I've probably seen most of them, not mm-hmm. all. Yeah, pretty um, close for me. There's some, like, um, really fantastic moments. And I think that that's the genius of the of this of these mm-hmm. series of phases. Like, the moment in Captain America when he throws a grenade on the ground and, mm-hmm. like, Steve Rogers is the one guy who goes on it, right? right yeah. I mean, it, it's, it, it's the way in which... Um, or, like, the moments of characterization um, that we get in the original Avengers with mm-hmm. Cap as he comes back and with, you know, yeah. like... And, like, it's those moments where you get to explore those characters and they're sort of... Um, it's a combination of the writing and mm-hmm. the actors that are involved and the direction that sort of mm-hmm. puts together this really cool animated, full-life, tableau-style, yeah. you know, mm-hmm. iconic representation of these characters that what makes it, is what makes it great. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, you know, I think they could have told the story in, you know, nine hours. You know, yeah. you make it a trilogy I mean, or, you know, or a, or a four-movie series. That's what I was trying to think through, just sort of trying to reevaluate. Now that we sort of have, like, the big picture of things, like, looking back on what do I appreciate, what works, what didn't, and... I also, one of the questions I asked myself was, what is appealing about the Avengers movies? Yeah. Um, it makes me want to see them. And when it comes down to it, what I remember is like the 
uh, interaction between the characters. Or I was excited yeah. to see, oh, how does Captain America react to meeting Thor, like right. this Greek god? Like, that's interesting. So, and I would claim that the action's not that good in any of the Avengers movies that I've seen so far. Yeah. It's, it's all right. But it's very forgettable compared to, like, the... Um, it ain't no crouching tiger, hidden dragon, that's for sure. Yeah. I mean, compared to, like, the, the character fireworks that happen when they interact. Right. Like, that's what I remember and yeah. is appealing and seeing how these characters come together. Um, and so I think... And in general, I started to think, like, what makes me excited to see any individual Marvel film? Yeah. And I've kind of talked about this in the past, and I wouldn't say that I think every X-Men film is genius or masterpiece. Yeah. But comparatively, for superhero worlds, I there's something I care about the story of X-Men. Yeah. That I thought back to the Marvel films... Pretty much all of the story plot, I am never excited about going into the film. Like, there's nothing that I'm yeah. going in being like, oh, this plot seems really interesting. Like, most of the time, I don't know who the bad guys are going to be. I don't, like, the threat is sort of, like, fake just to, like, get characters together and do things, especially in the Avengers films. So I think that's why I'm personally not attached to it. Certainly the general public seems very attached yeah. Or has been made to, but um, comparatively, I think it is not about the story, but it is what they've done a good job is creating those appealing characters, you know, um, and getting charismatic actors to play those characters. Yeah. Like uh, Robert Downey Jr.'s Tony Stark is really fun and yes, fascinating. And um, Chris Hensworth, it's Thor, yeah. is is pretty magical. Yeah. Um, so th- that's what I sort of enjoy, yeah. I think, and people enjoy. So I kind of wonder, maybe we can get there, but when they lose characters or actors like Robert Downey Jr. and Chris Evans, who I think are a draw, are they going to be able to replace those quickly and get people's attachment to new characters? Or are they going to have a new Iron Man um, which I think would be a, a hard thing to establish in the cinematic universe they've created. In comic books, not so weird, I think. But maybe in, you know, the live action world would yeah, be hard. So, yeah, so, um, well. But you can answer what you were going to say. But what, what do you think is the draw for you to Marvel movies? Or especially like Avengers movies. Like what gets you excited about those? <laughs> well, well, it's an interesting question because it's not a very clear answer. Hmm. I mean, what I'll, I'll, tell, a, I'll tell a brief foray because it's, okay. you know, a story because it's our podcast. Yeah. Um, I remember a lot of it comes from like the experience of uh, my interest being shifted to the limelight of... Uh, corporate success Hmm. in particular like when brian singer did the first x-men like we had read x-men as kids Mm -hmm. like as and and a lot i mean a lot of this has to do with like what high school was like in the 80s and 90s like we were all losers yeah like we read comic books we played magic the gathering we played (laughs) you know like dungeons and dragons in our basement and we didn't have dates and we weren't jocks and like and we were told we were like never going to amount to anything Mm -hmm. um and we were weird and strange. And Star Wars, Lord of the Rings, comics were not cool back then. Yeah, no, I mean, and they were not. Yeah. Um, and, uh, you know, and, but we still, like, put our money into, 
buying these things and we went to arcades, mm-hmm. you know, and, um, but we were a subculture. And, mm-hmm. and I say this, like, you know, even then, like, and I was like weird for those people. Like, I didn't, <laughs> like, I mean, I, I have never totally found a group of people that I'm like, oh, yes, you're my people. Yeah. Um, you know, I, I'm love love my friends in high school. I'm very thankful for them, but yeah. like, even they would recognize that like I was kind of the third wheel or the weird <laughs> guy who never really fit there. Um, and then and Brian Singer made the first because we had like Conan the Barbarian mm-hmm. and we had the Dolph Lundgren Punisher. Yeah. Um, but like the movie, like the like, but like the movies at those times that like the action movies because this was like the '80s when like like so much ass was being kicked. You know, like it was just dudes <laughs> yeah. on steroids guys, with machine yeah. guns like blowing mm-hmm. things up all over the place. That mm-hmm. was what you know the film was. And I think in many ways, like to just cut to the chase, like Mar- like the uh, the Marvel yeah, films one. just replaced those films. Yeah. You know, I mean, yeah. like in a sense, right? Yeah. Um, but when Brian Singer made that. I know he's a problematic individual, but when he made that mm-hmm. um, that first X Men, you know, all of us collectively were like, "Oh my god!" Yeah, you know. And in the second film, when you have Nightcrawler, mm-hmm. because I mean, the thing that I think is really true, and a, a good friend of mine, Tim, who's been on the show, has talked about it before. Like, um, like gay people and outcasts identified with the X Men, mm-hmm. and that's right. we identified with the X Men. They were freaks. Yeah, and like, it's their identity. As outcasts in their mm-hmm. world, which makes their story compelling mm-hmm. for me, and I think yeah. for all of us. Yeah. And they're like a late developing thing in the Marvel world. They're not there. And in... I don't think that's something the Marvel Cinematic Universe has. No, I mean that sort of connection is... to culture and yeah. society and what's actually going yeah. on. Thor is definitely much. cool. Tony, I mean Tony mm-hmm. Stark is like a, like the male wet dream, right? He's <laughs> smart and a woman. You know, he's yeah. everything, right? right? I mean that is not. Who the X Men are, X-Men were, yeah. right? I mean, like, because like, and I say the X Men with the exclusion of Cyclops, because right, I mean, like, yeah. he is he is an X Men, sure. of course, but he is like our jock friend who happens mm-hmm. to like to play video games with us. That is what his role is, <laughs> right? Um, and I think they occupied that have occupied that space. And when mm-hmm. you think about like, um, like the the multi generational stuff, like in Watchmen with the 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 guy who's the owl, the night owl. Because yeah. there's two generations of him. And there's mm-hmm. various characters that have either like a protege or... Mm-hmm. And so I think that like what is most exciting to me about like this phase being over with Marvel, and I know I'm jumping around, is the next generation is essentially the next age. Mm-hmm. Um, like at the end of Endgame, like Captain mm-hmm. America, who's old, yeah. um, passes his magically restored shield. <laughs> Fix that for me, please. Continuity. <laughs> to uh, um, Hawk. Or was mm-hmm. it Hawk? Red Wing? Okay. Hawk. Um, yeah, the guy who was Red Wing and I sure. think his name's Hot Cap. Sure, um, uh, you know, and he like be- he like becomes you know he's dubbed the sort of new Captain, Captain America, America essentially. Okay, um, and you have this you know next generation because even like in in the Ant Man movies like like mm-hmm. the original Ant Man is Henry Pym like Scott Lang is is at you know right. the second generation he's, he's Ant Man yeah. too right, um, and so there's a lot of possibility there. I'm skipping around a bit, but further to further get back to your question. Um, like seeing like the world that we grew up loving mm-hmm. these these outcasts who were gifts were powerful um, uh, on the screen you know and like m- you know t- to be actually able to realize that and have a successful film and mm-hmm. see it and like oh my gosh it's not weird you know or yeah. not super weird it just blew all of our minds yeah you know and then you know and then you know and we also get like you know Peter Jackson does the live action Lord of the Rings mm-hmm. and there's all of these sort of beloved icons people mm-hmm. that we you know the gathered basement dwellers yeah. of the world uh love like this was our culture our new mythologies yeah right and yeah. so and so to see that was like is always appealing mm-hmm. um 
you know, and like, and we would, and, and I don't, I mean, and so the appeal of them for me now is sort of twofold. One, I mean, I'm always appreciate like a good epic story. Mm-hmm. And I don't think they, I mean, Marvel doesn't quite do it mm-hmm. the way that I've, I would do it if I were them. Sure. Right? And I'm not them, yeah. you know, and I know, um, like my kids have such a deep love for Stan Lee, never met him. Mm. But you know they recognize like you know, he he's in all the films mm. he's in all the video games they've heard yeah. some interviews with him mm-hmm. they know that he created a lot of these characters mm-hmm. um, you know everything's always dedicated to him um, and I think that there are um, there are moments in the 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 MCU as well as some of the earlier films like mm-hmm. p- particularly Spider Man Two yeah um, where you you have this this. With this, these feelings of like this visual image and this gripping story and these mm-hmm. interesting characters, sort of just draw you in, mm-hmm. um, and it happens at yeah. some moments. Mm-hmm. And, and and I think those moments are rare. I mean, even yeah. you know, because in like the original Spider-Man run, it's just in two, three mm-hmm. is not very good. One is production value is too low. <laughs> you know, it's like great. I mean, but yeah. you're wearing a plain costume, um, and also and Sam Raimi just lets go with two. You know, and it's just like we have right. poetry it's and you know. Good, yeah. Um, it also solves it visually much, much better. But um, Yeah, I don't know that I have those connections to the newer Marvel movies. Well, so that's the thing. So yeah. I, I don't, but my kids do. Hmm. And like they, and so part of like what it, they're essentially like family films. Mm-hmm. Like the, they're, yeah, the, they're, they're, they're uh, a way for us to watch something fun and talk about, talk about things. Mm-hmm. And they have, and they, they still address some of these complicated issues that mm-hmm. exist in the world and make yeah. a comment about them. Um, but they never, I mean, and too far. Yeah. they never quite get there. Yeah. Um, there are moments in Iron Man that gets there. Mm-hmm. Um, there, like I said, there's, there's that one moment in Captain America. There are some moments in a few of the other films. Mm-hmm. Um, certainly Thor Ragnarok has a lot of interesting things to say, but you know, like they never, it's like, if you were just to proliferate all these moments, you know, in these 21 mm-hmm. films and just crunch them down and pick like the 40 best moments <laughs> in the series and write yeah. like an epic story about it, like mm-hmm. vis-a-vis Lord of the Rings, mm-hmm. that story would be fantastic. Mm-hmm. And I think you could, you could, you'd be able to craft these larger heroic mm-hmm. mythic archetypes and, and yeah. have those characters do their thing, but they do so many different things. I mean, how many, mm-hmm. how many actions does Thor take over the course of all these films? You know, what yeah. does, how many times does Black Widow do these sorts of things, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, and I don't think that they, well, I mean, whatever. I mean, no one's ever really done anything like this before, so right. it's hard. Um, and I, I wonder, like, for me, connecting to Star Wars, and we have the latest, the ninth film trailer yeah. came out, and, and I think we get this weird things, and we've sort of touched on this before, that uh, for whatever you say about George Lucas and, let's say, the prequels, yeah, it is a fairly consistent story he's telling yeah through those and it's weird to see um we get the last jedi the last film and it sort of has this new idea that you know it's not about being a skywalker it's not about this jedi order of only certain people are the greatest heroes in the universe like it could be anybody and ray is a nobody we're told at least and then we get this new trailer and the title, The Rise of the Skywalkers, which hopefully this is not really the direct what they're saying with the film, but it seems to be like maybe the Every studio Every generation is like, has a hero. 
Yeah, and right. like, but it is about the Skywalkers. And then, you know, like, really, though, that's the story we're telling is because that's what people want. You want to hear about the Skywalkers, right? Yeah. Well, um, it, and, but, I, but I think they're also going to be furrowing my brow. facing the problem of they're trying to supposedly wrap up the Skywalker story. So what connection? It's kind of the similar problem to the MCU is are they going to be able to continue and have the same connection to these iconic characters that they've had in the past? Are they going to keep moving on and have people care about those stories um, as they face new challenges and things? And and supposedly they're not going to continue Skywalker's Well, here, okay, so um, observation one. The Rise of Skywalker is a terrible title. (laughs) I don't know who came up with that. It's terrible. Probably J.J. Abrams. Two... Every generation has a hero. I thought it was a joke. I thought it was like, I'm, I'm, I'm going to use some reverb here. Every generation has a hero in a world. I mean, come right. on, guys. Really? Yeah. So it wasn't doing it for me. Um, the thing, and so like, even when we like interviewed um, Annalisa Philian about mm-hmm. like uh, looking for Leia, one of the things that was surprising and interesting in a lot yeah. of uh, the work that she did in interviews mm-hmm. is like there were a lot of girls who identified with Luke. Mm-hmm. Right, like, yeah. and like, so part of the value of the monomyth or the hero's journey is that we can identify with this hero mm-hmm. as they undergo a journey. Mm-hmm. We exist in a world in which, like, oh, we look historically, like, let's see, what are all these? Oh, they're like white dudes, right? <laughs> yeah. So we need to find a way in our modern world where we that fact cannot be ignored mm-hmm. to uh, like create a hero or group of heroes mm-hmm. or a trend like a, a, like some kind of vessel for our mm-hmm. audience right. to like be able to put themselves in the place of this hero mm-hmm. and go with this hero on their journey right yeah. the fundamental the fundamental reason why we create heroes i think mm-hmm. is we encounter problems that we can't ourselves fight and yeah. oftentimes evil we can't find or define. Mm-hmm. So we, and, and this is replicated in ritual and stuff all across the world. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, like like when Buffy's mom dies, she's like, "Where's the evil? I want to go. You know, yeah, I want right, to go kill. Yeah. Like, where's the big bad? Right? right? So we we define an evil. We put it in its place. We mm-hmm. create a weapon that is possible, capable of killing it. There's a quest to get that weapon. The weapon vanquishes that foe. We then come back to where we came from, the Shire, wherever it happens to be, yeah. and we and we're able to solve that problem that we previously were unable to solve because it's mm-hmm. ultimately about that. Um, so, I, I, with, so, like, <laughs> as exciting as, um, like, if people can't identify with our singular, like, force-wielding hero, mm-hmm. um, then we have failed, right? Because mm-hmm. then it can't be the story. Like, if, if our listening audience doesn't have Odysseus or someone like Odysseus or Artemis or someone in the story mm-hmm. to have a heroic journey and identify with, it's not as successful as it could be, mm-hmm. right? And it's not truly, I think, a great and fantastic yeah. story, right? And so that's yeah. the challenge, right? Mm-hmm. Like what kind, of, what kind of hero can really draw everyone in in our mm-hmm. modern world? Right. Um, or at least like the vast majority of people. Mm-hmm. I think, I mean, in like having a good actor is part of it, having a good mm-hmm. story is part of it, but some of this, I don't, I don't have the answer. Like how yeah. do we... Um, I mean, I got another tough question for you. Sure. Uh, what sort of pleasure do you think general audiences or yourself get out of watching the MCU films? Because I feel like in some ways, like I, I was mentioning, for me, it's not necessarily about the story. 
story. It's overall. just the characters. The characters are cool. And I think part of it is too for audiences is becoming um, the sort of extra textual exercise of like being able to make connections between them. Yeah. Like, are you a big enough fan or into it enough yeah. that you can understand? I mean, it, it and certainly follow, turned like, like the fanboyism. Mm-hmm. It made it more acceptable. Yeah. I mean, it's like, we don't need to, like... Right. Everybody goes. Yeah. Right. You know, and, you know, it's like the old days of, like, counting the amount of times, like, their lightsaber mm-hmm. strikes or, like, light, yeah, yeah. you know, like, like mm-hmm. laser blasts. I mean, mm-hmm. like, um, that's now cool. Right. I mean, mainly because yeah, there, yeah. there's an internet now and there's not <laughs> internet in the past. Right. Um, but, I mean, I think, I mean, it does give you... Um, I mean, it, it... But it's weird because it turns what used to be, like, an absolutely vilified social activity mm. which was saying well actually like superman you know like mm-hmm. he doesn't fly he actually jumps really high because the gravity was much heavier on krypton you know <laughs> right, right. or much more serious than krypton yeah. um and turns that into like a commodity mm-hmm. where like that's now really cool right like i just did it the other day at a rugby practice and we were like oh you know and there's like you know 20 years ago like yeah. this was a, like a social taboo think. and no one cared yeah you know like and I feel like part of the like end credits like thing that they do yeah. is for people to be able to obsess over and be like, oh, that's meant to reference this or set yeah. up this concept. Yeah, no, I, I mean, I, I do like, think yeah. that um, at least observing my own kids, mm-hmm. um, they really like um, each individual film mm-hmm. as sort of like a window into a larger story right. that they're Probably. putting together with all these different pieces. Mm-hmm. I think, you know, that's one of the reasons why Captain Marvel is so successful. I mean, mm-hmm. you have, for those that watched Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D., and you all should, <laughs> I mean, you in, in, yeah. Agent Mar- in, in uh, Captain Marvel, you have Carol Danvers fall into a blockbuster mm-hmm. um, and encounter young... Nick Fury, who's partnered mm-hmm. with Phil Coulson, um, and you, you know, and you learn how Nick Fury gets his eye patch. Yeah, it's a transformed like mutant space cat, <laughs> um, which is fun for everybody. Um, and, and you get, um, you know, and so like at first when I saw, because like it, they don't tell you like 1981 or whatever. Mm-hmm. Like they, I mean, and they, they do give you all these indicators because she falls into a blockbuster, right? Right. But I was like, what the fuck is up with Nick Fury? Like, <laughs> why is Phil Coulson so young? Like, where are we? What time is this? What's going on? Yeah. Um, but it, you do get to to create that experience of like your knowledge of having consumed their other media and knowing other stories that mm-hmm. adds a lot of depth to it. Yeah. Um, and, and I can't say that, um, I mean, the experience that like, the comparable experience for me is... Like when I uber fanboy moments in uh, like Lord of the Rings, and I'm like, well, that's actually like a that's from the Cimmerillion. Like when mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, you yeah, know, yeah. and there's, there's like one point, yeah, there's one point in the marshes out. when um, uh, Aragorn right. is singing the song, and like mm-hmm. this is directly out of the Cimmerillion. Um, and there's also the the moment which I always got upset about because fanboys earlier is like this moment when like Aragorn is on this war and gets drawn off the cliff. I'm like, it happens in the Cimmerillion to Baron and Luthien. It is like word mm. forward right out of there. That is why yeah. it's like you can like get all your fanboy stuff <laughs> in a bunch or upset right. or whatever. But like or if you were a real it. Uber fanboy, you would see that it happens in like the second chapter of the Cimmerillion when mm. it it happens in the love affair between Baron and Luthien when. Um, you know, one rescues the other. It's how mm. sort of like immortality is created for um, mortality. Um, so it's still part of the world. But I digress. World, right. So it's, it's part yeah. of the world. Yeah. And so like that kind of moment happens all the time um, when you're watching this Marvel films because, mm-hmm. I mean, I think for the average person, you go with someone and they haven't seen all of them so you get to be an expert and say, well, actually, this happens here. Mm-hmm. And it creates like a, a situation where 
um, the more of them you watch, the more knowledge you have about the characters and the world. So it becomes right. almost like a discovering mm-hmm. sort of thing. Um, but again, I think that's like, as you pointed out, like almost entirely centered around uh, the characters mm-hmm. because the characters themselves are, are pretty consistent throughout. Mm-hmm. They don't, like they don't do things that are uncharacteristic in general. Yeah. The storylines are far more flexible. Mm-hmm. Um, and even, I mean, uh, there's a lot of like blip blop, timey-wimey time travel in Endgame. And, <laughs> and, and it, it, it makes for some really um, iconic moments. Uh-huh. But like, Lord knows who has to clean that up that mess sense, yeah. in a timeline later because it does, like, it just doesn't work yeah. at all, really. Yeah. Um, but it's, you know, I like... Mean, there's some interesting things. Uh, I wanted to reference this article I just read called yeah. The Narrative Experiment That Is the Marvel Cinematic Universe by yeah. Maya Phillips in The, um, in the New Yorker. Mm-hmm. Uh, and she quotes uh, a professor I had at the University of Iowa huh. um, who talks about... Uh, the peculiar narrative qualities of soap operas, I'm going to quote here, which contains narrative twists and turns, but they get nowhere. Unlike most novels and films, soaps are all middle. Uh, so both soaps and like fantasies like Lord of the Rings may contain traditional plot-based narrative with moments of resolution or convergence, but in a sense, such moments aren't the point. It's the fictional world that's most alluring. Yeah. So like in soaps that there are these events that are very major and seem very dramatic, but the story doesn't really go anywhere. Like these characters keep hanging around for the most part and keep having these lots of drama. Um, but it is about the enjoyment of the world they're in, right? Yeah, yeah. That so I mean yeah. I I I'm seventy five percent with you. Yeah, yeah. So I think like, I think it's definitely true of the Marvel Cinematic Universe. I think mm-hmm. it is not. I mean, like, the allure of Tolkien is the world. I know people say that a lot. Yeah. Um, I And I think it, is, it, a, it is alluring. A story. Yeah. Like, it is a complete story. And it, yeah. and it, it's, it only goes in one direction. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and, like, the movies You're going are... going to Mount Doom, yeah. That's right. Yeah. Um, and, you know, like, it's off in the distance. Right. It's, it's, you know, like, Death Mountain. You are yeah, going yeah. there. You are... And, and things happen. Mm-hmm. Like, people die along the way. Yeah. Um... And it, you know, it's a journey you can take from beginning to end many, many times, mm-hmm. but you, you have to get there. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that that's, so I take issue with that. And so I think that, that is one thing that is different between, because like no one, I mean, like it's even evident in the way that they write Endgame, like it doesn't even matter. Like we're just, we're, <laughs> ha- we're on a time heist party. Right, right, <laughs> like, yeah, yeah. It doesn't matter that. what's happening. It just matters that we are with these characters in this place. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think, you know, that's uh, what the allure is for most people. I mean, mm-hmm. I think that, um, the character development is great. Mm-hmm. Um, there are v- very few of the MCU movie, individual movies that have interesting stories. Yeah. Or that right. have stories in That's which saying, yeah. anything really happens. Right. Um, and, it's, and so, like, I mean, I, I always personally, this is personal, like, mm-hmm. um, have always, there are two things, soap mm-hmm. operas and Michael Bolton. Um, <laughs> I have always, uh, well, not always, but as an adult, uh-huh. I, I, I generally think criticisms of soap opera and Michael Bolton are both sexist mm. um, because women loved them. Mm. And then we're like, this is crap. Good, um, yeah. Michael Bolton is a fantastic artist, <laughs> a tremendously soulful singer, mm-hmm. a prolific songwriter, and an amazing musician. Um, and I think for a lot of times his work was utterly dismissed because it's just like women liked it. But like, yeah. I mean, his songs are tremendously heartfelt, mm. evocative. Mm-hmm. And I think you know, I think it's just like a... A, you know, culturally, it wasn't for some folks okay to, right. to like him. 
Um, and like when I was a t- when I was at home when I was like a latchkey kid as a child, mm-hmm. I watched a lot of soap operas. Days mm-hmm. of Our Lives, in particular, yeah. when I like for various summers when I was a kid, like they are compelling, interesting stories mm-hmm. that grab your attention from the moment you sit down right. to like the moment you get up. And it, there's a weekly schedule. And like when Hope was buried alive, <laughs> the like every Friday for like four months, the little bell on her, like the little rope next to the <laughs> bell on her coffin. I don't know why they still had that would like almost get drawn. Um, like they know how to do a cliffhanger. They know how to get yeah, excited in the world. They know how to yeah. draw you in. Um, and, uh, you know, I mean, it, it, they're often dismissed, but it's like, it's just like, um, anything that's formulaic, mm-hmm. the babysitter's club, the Hardy boys, Sherlock yeah. Holmes. Um, if you get a good formula, um, that's compelling, you know, it doesn't matter what's in there. And, yeah. and, you know, and, and, and to call it. I just, I always bothered me. It, mm-hmm. it seemed like, well, it's just soap opera. I'm like, well, I mean, it's daytime drama, for one. Yeah. And two, like, have you ever watched it? Or do you just, <laughs> like, make fun of it because that's something you make fun of? Like, yeah. you just make fun of Michael Bolton because it's something you make fun of. Like, mm-hmm. have you listened to Michael Bolton? Have you yeah. watched, you know, a soap opera? Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and, like, it's a, it's a different palette, right? Yeah. I mean, the soap opera is an interesting, mm-hmm. very interesting visually. It's, like... it. Stuff exists in an interesting space time where it's almost always daytime. I mean, it's an interesting world, mm-hmm. um, but to just summarily dismiss it because, again, I think because you know traditionally yeah. it was something that women liked. Right. I just, you know, I, it gets a tisk tisk from me <laughs> um, because again, I mean, it's like if you look at like other serialized stories, like these are the basis of what television and radio like yeah. these are these are the perennial forms of storytelling. You know, mm-hmm. like, is someone going to get out? Will they fall in love? I mean, yeah. I think if you listen to you know, most successful musicians that, you know, that write songs that have words in them, you know, like there's just, just perennial things like wanting someone, loving someone, missing right. someone when they're not there, being worried about them, mm-hmm. trying to get them back. These are the human emotions that are the core of our lives. So anything that touches on that, you know, like, you know, gauche or not, people, is, yeah. Yeah, is it connects with people. Yeah. Um, continue. True. Yeah. I mean, uh, I think... It's interesting to look back now at these MCU films and for however much I might say, I view them, let's say, more as spectacle um, yeah. is often why I enjoy them. I'm like, yeah. I know, like I said, I'm not very invested in, oh, what's the plot of this? What's the story that yeah. I have to see this to know? Um, that they, I go in saying, I'm going to have a fun time. Yeah. These are going to be fun characters. I'm going to see some good action, special effects, things like that. Yeah. Um, but they have managed to pull things off that I think have not been done before. So I remember when the first Avengers came out, and um, at that time I was more in a crowd that a bunch of dads were going to go see it. Um, so I was like, yeah, I'll go along and see it. Wasn't like dying to see it. But I remember watching the trailers and thinking, this is a little hard for me to swallow. Like seeing Thor and Iron Man and Captain America and stuff in the same environment in like a film world is harder for me to take than like on a comic book page yeah. where you can kind of get away like with that. And it's it's a fun movie. It's, it's solid. It's good. Yeah. Um, and so I was like, wow, they pulled it off. And now we don't really question that at this point. In these films. I mean, yeah. we are just used to seeing even more characters pulled together than those original ones. Yeah. Um, so yeah. th- there's this point. I have to make this here. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, it's just, it's a critical one. It's what, <laughs> what I think the, sorry, Marvel slash Disney. I think what they, they failed to do 
was like an appropriate what I would call like escalation of the threat. I mean, mm. I think, yeah, what, yeah. and I've talked about this before, mm-hmm. what happens in the comic books is like, especially with like Peter Parker, like you mm-hmm. save your girlfriend, you save your borough in New York, yeah. you save all of New York, maybe you save all of the East Coast, mm-hmm. then it's the United States, yeah. you know, and then someday the Earth from the Russians or something, and then and you then like, aliens or something. Well, and, and then you like you lull around for a while and have mm-hmm. smaller problems. Yeah. And then something you know and like because you you like you you you've had enough power to beat the biggest thing that's around. Mm-hmm. And then like the world is peaceful for a little bit, you know. Mm-hmm. And you know, and this sort of like ebb and flow is captured almost perfectly in The Incredibles when Mr. Incredible is like, why doesn't the world just stay saved? You know. <laughs> and then some bigger threat has to come because that's what you do. You mm-hmm. vanquish threats as a hero. Right. And uh, and I think just because of the way. Um, the MCU progresses because there has to be like one or two arcs in each film. Mm-hmm. The, the threats just don't escalate. I mean, mm-hmm. like you don't, you don't, you don't go from like Iron Man to like the Avengers. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. I mean, you, you have Iron Man, you have Iron Man two, right. You know, and then you're like, you know, a couple other films and like, yeah. like, but those threats don't escalate to the Avengers. Like, they, like they, it's, yeah, they don't tie into the Avengers. Yeah. I mean, it just, it doesn't become like the, the whole point, I think, you know, and I, I don't know the comics as well as others, but the, the whole concept of the Avengers is they become necessary at a point. Right. The same way, like, when the Fantastic Four gather a group of folks to fight uh, mm-hmm. Galactus. Yeah. Like, it's mostly them, but, you know, other people involved as well. Mm-hmm. Like, you have a threat that you can't beat. Yeah. Right? And, and so for me, that was, like, the, the part that I liked most about Infinity War was, like, it opens with, like, Thanos destroying the most powerful people we know, mm-hmm. right? That's the kind of thing that, like, okay, cool. That's a real like, threat, like yeah. there's a giant in the playground. This mm-hmm. is, the, and this is the progression that happens, like in Babylon Five, like when mm-hmm. the uh, the humans enlist the help of the Mimbari to make uh, all of these spaceships to fight the mm-hmm. shadows. Watch it, yeah. Um, and so, like, that's, but like the the Avengers get thrown together for a threat that's not comparable to their size mm. right you know i mean given like you know it's the chitauri it's the space thing yeah. you know it's like it's big it's extraterrestrial but like um it doesn't the only time that happens is, is at the beginning of the in, in infinity war when thanos like beats the hulk and kills mm. loki and you know, like yeah. that that is the kind of thing that necessitates the formation of the avengers mm-hmm. um you know and it and it, you know it's it's again it's, it's nearly impossible i think to manage that over the you know like over the, the that flow over the course of twenty one movies, right. but I think if you're going to do it, that if you want it to be successful, that's what you have to do. Mm-hmm. You know, like you know, I mean, if you take take it as a trilogy, then I know there are these three phases, mm-hmm. but like it's not like, you know, it's not like Frodo and Samurai's running away with the ring because of the, the Fellowship has failed at the end of phase one. You know, right. like there's where is that moment? Yeah. Right. You know, I mean, and, I would say the first Avengers seems more organic kind of threat yeah and uh i like loki at least oh you know loki yeah yeah you know it's interesting and it and it ties directly to the characters yeah in in the and so i think that was much more organic or the although i think the end threat was sort of forgettable of these things coming through the portal and flying around like they always do they gotta shoot things yeah um but at least that seemed more personal to what they're doing and And, and forever much they think that they were introducing Thanos through all these films, I don't feel like they did. It was still like, no. at the beginning of Infinity War, it was like, oh, this guy showed up. Um, 
yeah. we didn't have enough of a sense of him before that. I don't feel like. Right. But and I think and again, like if you look at Babylon Five, there, mm-hmm. there's this moment early on when like this strange phenomenon like pops in in this quadrant of space where they are mm-hmm. massive ships beyond you know size, beyond comprehension in size and power, yeah. right? Mm-hmm. And they eventually you know you eventually find who these people are. Yeah. Um, yeah, and I think like I mean they do it by like showing Thanos in the throne with the Chitari. I mean, right. but like, yeah. I mean, it's like oh, it's fucking Thanos. I'm like, yeah. yeah, but I mean, so what I'm, I guess what I'm saying is like you, for me to feel like um, Thanos, like to to feel Thanos's true power, mm-hmm. um, we fight him a. I mean, he gets fought a whole bunch of times, mm-hmm. um, and none of them are particularly impressive, right. um, and he gets killed twice. <laughs> um, but he, you know, like they did. It's it, it's an issue. I feel dumb saying this. It's like an issue of like calibration. Mm. You know, like there's there there needs to be some way to put these threats and all these individuals on some kind of spectrum mm. so that we yeah. understand them. Yeah, and like and and that's something that they do very clearly with Captain Marvel. Like when mm. when when Carol Danvers transforms and truly unleashes her power, mm-hmm. which is. A moment which, again, is pastiche. I mean, it, it draws that moment when she unshackles herself mm-hmm. from the Kree controls on her neck. It, it exactly parallels this moment in the final episode of Buffy the Vampire Slayer mm. when uh, Buffy is talking to Willow about how they're using this scythe to unleash the potential power of all slayers in the world. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and you know, and, and and it shows in in that example, like what she does is she says, like you know, it says there can only be one slayer at a time. Buffy mm-hmm. dies twice, so there are three slayers during her time. <laughs> yeah. Um, but the idea is that there's many potential slayers, but only one. And she's like, this is just a dumb rule that like a bunch of white guys, a bunch of old guys <laughs> thought up. Right. We're gonna turn like every girl who could be a slayer will be a slayer. Mm-hmm. And then it has this this one of the very few montages in all of Joss Whedon's work. There's like a girl hitting a baseball. Right. There's like a woman who's being like abused in some kind. And all these mm-hmm. women sort of stand up and take their power. And that's exactly. I mean, like, and Carol Danvers does that. And those moments are moments in her own life. Mm-hmm. But the girl playing baseball and the girl standing up. I mean, it's. It, I mean, either. You know, if you're going to steal, steal from the best. But yeah, it's also right. a, either an homage or just, like, a copy. Mm-hmm. Um, but the moment she gathers her power, um, she, like, blows stuff up and flies in space. Yeah. And it's very clear, like, on a scale of 1 to 10, she's a 9.9. 9, right. Right? Right. Um, and uh, when you have so many different bad guys and so many different good guys, so many different challenges, it's hard to keep all that mm-hmm. sorted. Right. Um, but I think the the point that I think you're making that a lot of other people make too is like, hey, when you lose control of it, you you lose control of the story. Mm-hmm. I mean, and it's one of the problems that I've always had with like Thor as a character. I'm like, mm-hmm. he's a god. I know he's right. not really a god, right. but he seems to behave exactly like a god. He has a whole lot of power and mm-hmm. he can't really be killed. And, you know, like, the only, like what's the problem? He hits it with his hammer. Right. You know, yeah. like, shoots <laughs> with, you know, like what's the problem? I mean, somebody, yeah. And it's so like, again, Thor Ragnarok, movie starts, loses the hammer. You know, mm-hmm. great. Or even right. the original Thor movie, which I like, mm-hmm. you know, loses his hammer. And so it's a story about him trying to do his virtue. For those, I mean, like, there's some... Yeah. I mean, I won't, I won't totally spoil it for you, but, I mean, another Avenger wields Mjolnir in Endgame. Mm. And it's it's one of probably the best moments, moments. in the film. I mean, mm. like, it is fighting, so... But it's sure. like, you know, and Thor goes like, I knew it, right? And of course, <laughs> you can probably guess who it is. Yeah. It's a fabulous moment. And there, mm-hmm. there are a number of those moments... That make it into Endgame, which are what makes Endgame worth watching. Again, mm. 
recognizing that this is an art form which is told in disconnected tableaus and, and iconic moments with limited dialogue, um, right. Endgame that have emotional impact. Endgame pays attention to that a lot more. Mm. Like you could tell the story of Endgame, you know, and it's probably like a hundred different stills or something like that. Yeah, yeah. Right, and yeah. that and for that reason, it works in a way that Infinity War never does because mm. all those moments are all terrible <laughs> in Infinity War. You're like, and we're about to do it, and then Peter Quill does something stupid. I mean, it looks like. I mean, it looks like one of those. It just looks like a. It's like a blooper reel for you know, like how do you screw it up? You know, as yeah, much right. as possible. But yeah, and I think it is some of those for me. Marvel films that create their own world that work best. Yeah. So I do enjoy uh, some of the Thor films, like the yeah. first one and the third one. Um, uh, I also like the Guardians of the Galaxy films. Yeah. I think overall are pretty fun, and but they like came at it from their own sort of. Yeah, universe of uh, their own galaxy yeah. of of a world that eventually interconnects, but um, yeah. brought us into those. And I think those work best for me because they're not sort of trying to fit into their own thing. Um, but I think they, for how messy the DC universe is, if there is a universe of uh. film, they are going the opposite direction, and it seems to sort of be working for them. Of like. There's not strictly one Batman. There's not certainly one Joker, because now we have the new Joaquin Phoenix yeah. taxi driver style. And then we had Jared Leto a couple of years yeah. ago, and then going back, um, all the different versions. And they don't seem concerned about it at all. They're just like, well, we can just make a different Joker movie if we want to um, have a totally different story. And they're not feeling tied to it has to fit into this one universe of understanding. You know? Yeah. Um, which, which is kind of fascinating to compare, but I think Marvel has sort of boxed them into that reality, boxed themselves into that reality. Yeah. And and that was like one of the initial conceptions of Marvel. I mean, that's mm -hmm. one of the... That it all fits together. Yeah, that, yeah. They, that they all exist. Well, that they mm -hmm. exist in New York. Yeah. Um, first of all. In, mm -hmm. It's a real place, In our yeah. world, and yeah. that they all exist in the same world. Mm -hmm. um, and I think like that doesn't matter almost anywhere well I won't say it doesn't matter it matters yeah. most in the X-Men stories right? right because this right. is Third they country, yeah. like all across the country all across the world people just like us who have mm -hmm. weird quirks and talents are ending up being um, you know and like who know the world is bullshit mm -hmm. right are ending up with someone who is powerful and wounded and can train them mm -hmm. right that is the, the dream we all have right. um, or the dream that most of us had um I mean, I think that's, I've said this before, I think by on the show, but why X-Men works better for me too is that for the most part, it's probably a little different in the comics, but for yeah. the most part in the film world, there is one singular reason sort of for all the powers and superheroes. Yeah. It's not like, uh, this person is an alien and this yeah. person has a super suit and this whatever, yeah. um, is a Greek god, so... Uh, it's a little more believable when it kind of yeah. brings all those things together. Yeah, I mean, know? it's and the I mean, like my my oldest son, his favorite character is Hawkeye, which is mm -hmm. which I li I, mean, I love Hawkeye. Um, uh, my brother like dislikes Hawkeye a great deal. He hates the old, <laughs> um, like the guys whose superpowers are bows. I love them. <laughs> I mean, I love Green Arrow. I love yeah. Hawkeye. Yeah. Um, Real powers, yeah. Yeah, you know, and you know, I mean, it's like it's like the Batman character. Mm -hmm. But the thing is, like, I mean. Uh, or even like when, like in in Endgame, you know, mm -hmm. God bless them. It was fine mm -hmm. fighting, but like Captain Marvel gets punched by Thanos and gets knocked into a mountain. You know, like 
Captain America becomes by Thanos and he rolls on the ground. I'm like, that Captain America would be dead. Dead, yeah. In comparison. Like, yeah. super soldier or not, mm-hmm. like, just dead. Yeah. Um, and, and, like, I don't, like, have... And it's like, you know, again, it's like, oh, these are just details... Again, but this is like the calibration of powers. Mm-hmm. Part of what makes these characters interesting yeah, yeah. in the comic books and, and for me mm-hmm. is that, like, again, part of what I think makes any given... Oh, certainly, like, if you just take the Buffy, like, the um, the Scoobies in the Buffy world. Mm-hmm. Like, Buffy's near indestructible. Willow eventually has powers. Xander doesn't, right? Mm-hmm. So, like, you know, Spike joins in there as well. Yeah. Um, you know, and Giles. But, like, Giles needs to be protected, and Xander needs to be protected, mm-hmm. right? Because, yeah. like, as they go into fights, and so the balance of being really powerful and not indestructible has to balance against, like, helping save your friends. Mm-hmm. And and part of, like, and so part of the proper calibration of powers is what makes, uh, I think, Avengers battles, or what should make Avengers battles mm-hmm. interesting. Yeah. But when Thanos can just punch, you know, like, one of the most p- powerful celestial beings we've conceived of, Captain mm-hmm. Marvel, and Captain America, and about has it who's just a human right. with muscles right. and a vibranium shield, um, and have the same effect. Like we're not, you know, in the same like that. It, bit, yeah. you, and, and you lose the opportunity for our heroes to be vulnerable, and that mm-hmm. has always been like my complaint against the character of Thor. Yeah, right, like. He's indestructible, so what is at stake? Mm-hmm. Like, what yeah. happens? Yeah. Like, is there, is there a bad guy he can't hit with Mjolnir or mm-hmm. strike with lightning? Right. Not really. Yeah. I mean, like, apparently he, he, you know, he didn't kill Thanos for the first time because he didn't aim for the head. You know? <laughs> um, but, and, you know, and, and again, like, I, I think in Endgame, they're just like, ah! and f- it, it works for them. And mm. it works as a film. Mm-hmm. Um, but you can't, you couldn't do that three movies ago. Mm. And you couldn't do that 10 movies ago, and you couldn't have done that 15 movies ago, and you couldn't have done that at the beginning. If the first movie was like this, I mean, I I, I dare say, I mean, I'm not a prognosticator, or I dare say they would have not gotten to movie 22. Mm -hmm. Iron Man works because it is absolutely tight. It's totally grounded, yeah. 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 And even like Captain America, it's a small story, Mm -hmm. um, but it's absolutely tight. Like Mm -hmm. all these, and all these elements work really, really, really well. It gets far more loose as time goes on. Again, like, well, I won't harp on the point. When you include things like Thor mm-hmm. or even the Hulk. Yeah. You know, I mean, I think one of the things that I really like about the Avengers is, like, they're really scared of the Hulk. Because hmm. the Hulk is terrifying. Right. Right? And uncontrollable. And, like, of, he yeah. could just kill Black Widow. Mm-hmm. And so it... And also, like, Phil Coulson has a weapon which shoots right through Loki. You know, <laughs> right, yeah, could yeah. shoot right through Loki. Um, they're like those, those things matter. Mm-hmm. And I think those things are certainly like the, when like the Fantastic Four beat, like outsmart Galactus and mm-hmm. with the help of his heralds and a very, like they're in the comic books, there are interesting plot twists, mm-hmm. um, which create interesting stories that we liked to read. Mm-hmm. And I think that it, some of that gets lost yeah. Um, in the Marvel Cinematic Universe. Yeah. Ultimately highlighting that what's important is the characters. I'm repeating myself, but um, it, we, I think, I mean, I lament that a little bit. Yeah. You know, like, because even, you know, because like, if I think about like in The Lord of the Rings, you know, one of the ways you can, which I always talk about, one of the ways you can sort of like morally evaluate the characters is what they do when Frodo offers them the ring. Mm-hmm. Right, like I mean, yeah. it, it, I mean, Faramir is probably the greatest of them in that it 
he he abandons the ring to his own demise, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. Had, had he taken that ring, he would have defended Osgiliath, mm-hmm. and he would have been alive and would have proven to his father how great he was. Right. Right. And he, and he you know, in, in, in a way that Boromir could not, yeah. Boromir could not willingly release the ring out of his control. Right. But Faramir did. Mm-hmm. Um, which makes him the greater of the two brothers. Right. Right. You know, and even the way like Gladwell responds to it. I mean, she she's able to see her entire world be, and yeah. the entire future and, and recognize that even her, one of the greatest good beings in the world, mm-hmm. even through her, because her power would come from the ring, it would be terrible. Yeah. Right. Um, these moments don't exist in the Marvel Cinematic mm-hmm. Universe. Mm-hmm. I mean, like these crystallized... Like yeah. and, 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 and I mean, like, and I think there are, well... They do, mm-hmm. but they are, um, I put them together in a string having seen all of them. And maybe that's what they intend. Yeah, there's, uh, how many people are going to see those connections? Yeah. I mean, there, there was this thing where they're showing marathons of them in theaters. Yeah. And certainly you could watch that at home. People do that. Um, and you may see those threads more clearly. But is the majority of people going to see that? Yeah. Maybe not. Um, I do wonder, thinking about just briefly where they go from here, yeah. we've talked about a little bit, but certainly who's to say that, you know, let's say another five years of these movies and they have another sort of endpoint conclusion of some kind, they can't just say like, hey, this has kind of reached its generation. Let's totally reboot the whole thing, right? Because that's what they do in comic books. At points. Yeah. So, and I think that could be still successful. Like, we're going to have new technology for films then. And certainly, why can't we reboot things um, to that point? I did want to mention a weird factor. I recently watched the second Ant-Man movie. Yeah. Where they... Ant-Man and Wasp. Ant-Man and Wasp. And they uh, make Michael Douglas and Michelle Pfeiffer look younger. And they've done that with Robert Downey Jr. Yeah. And maybe somebody else. But it's just a weird thing that they can just do that. And there's the new Will Smith movie where he is supposed to assassinate himself, but he's like 25 years younger version of himself, like a clone. So they're just like, well, we'd really like this movie, but we'd like Will Smith, like young Will Smith to be in it, not old... Yeah, well, here's the thing. They can just do that. (laughs) So I'm not saying it's, like, not that bad in the Marvel movies because it's, like, flashbacks. It's motivated. But I feel like it's setting a weird precedence for... So, I mean, I, you know, and maybe I'm whatever. I don't like that. I didn't like it in Tron Legacy. Mm -hmm. Um, I don't like it. Yeah. Um, Partially because... Um, I mean, one is like this sort of like cyberpunk fear I have Mm -hmm. that like they will like own all of digital Chris Helmsworth and then like make digital Chris Helmsworth make digital Thor movies forever. Right. Yeah. Um, Which I just I don't think basically do. Right. Um, I just don't think that's artistically good period mm-hmm. like I mean and may- maybe maybe like 20 years from now like yeah. there will be totally digital people mm-hmm. like totally digitally created actors right. that the company owns and they own whatever and yeah. maybe that's gonna happen um, I mean I think that um, uh, we are people mm-hmm. and we get our emotions from experienced other human beings who have understanding and have spent time honing skills of communicating 
um, their emotions to us. I think you mm-hmm. know, acting happens from yeah. the eyebrow essentially to the spit catcher. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, and part of what makes any of the any film or any mm-hmm. uh, any film successful is mm-hmm. the actors that are in it. Yeah. Um, and I could, like, I don't care if it's a different. Like when Dumbledore changes or when the Emperor changes, mm-hmm. I don't care. Yeah. Because I reckon, like, I've seen, you know, plays in which different people play. Right. Yeah, you know, yeah. like yeah. Um, Troy Maxim, you mm-hmm. know, or like all these other iconic characters. Like, right. I understand that there is a story and there are characters in that story and they're portrayed mm-hmm. by different people. Mm-hmm. And, like, I appreciate that in the real world. I appreciate that in film. I don't mm-hmm. like it when they do digital people's faces. Um, there is a film called The Congress with Robin Wright where it kind of addresses that and she they make a deal with her that she's a famous actress but getting older yeah and they say we are going to scan your likeness and we own it and we can do with what we want yeah but you can't make films yourself personally but we're gonna write you this big paycheck basically forever and so she kind of has to make this deal with the devil sort of thing but she doesn't have control over what they put her likeness in i mean i to go, I mean, if we look just, if we were to like jump up into space and take mm-hmm. a look at our like past 20 years, I mean, two of the most authoritarian leaders in the modern world, Berlusconi and Trump, mm-hmm. um, I mean, at least in like, were media moguls. I mean, I think yeah. like we exist in a world in which there's a tremendous amount of power um, mm-hmm. consolidated into very, very, very few people's hands when it comes mm-hmm. to media. Um, so I don't. I don't trust those guys. Yeah. I mean, like, I don't. Yeah. I, I don't think. Um, I mean, sorry for some for some of our listeners listen to Fox News. I, I don't <laughs> think. I don't think Fox News is a force for good in the world. Yeah. I think there are plenty of other parallels. I mean, they're not the only sort of thing, but I mean, like, I, I think. I'll, I mean, if you're listening to a podcast, very well, you very well might not trust a variety of media in the world. I mean, mm-hmm. uh, it's a situation that I find myself in lots of times. I'm like, yeah. yeah. I mean, sure, that makes logical sense, but like, who's paying your bills? Who mm-hmm. like like what are the larger motivations for the things you're talking about? Like, do yeah. you, are your interests aligned with mine? I know all this is obscured and there's mm-hmm. multiple levels of ownership and all sorts of things. I mean, like who's, I just don't, I don't yeah. trust it. Right. Um, so I don't like, you know, those, I mean like, you know, I mean the time Warner merger. I mean like there's like, <laughs> you know, like, in, yeah. in like one individual or small group of individuals can make decisions about the vast majority of things that we see. Um, I just don't, think mm-hmm. that's good for humanity yeah yeah just by it's me. getting worse yeah um we're planning a discussion soon about some of these new streaming platforms yeah. and certainly that ties into disney buying fox yeah. and all their content which means x-men and mcu now live can live in the same corporate world so yeah um we'll see what happens there i mean the, the i mean the, the hopes that i hold out um are for um Someone to take like Alex Ross's work, um, mm-hmm. who did Kingdom Come and Marvels, mm-hmm. and I mean he's like he does hyper realistic DC interpretations. Right. Um, I mean Marvels have in the Marvels universe. He does it does all comic book characters, but for someone to like make the Marvels movie or like mm-hmm. to make Kingdom Come or to make like um, like an honest version of like Frank Miller's. Mm. Dark Knight. Yeah, yeah. You know, right, I right. mean, to, you know, or to, to, you know, to really turn, to take the next level where we're, 
you know, doing DC Vertigo titles or we're doing mm-hmm. um, you know, like like some of the what if comic books mm-hmm. or, you know, or mm-hmm. like the like the one like all, all the different like cool ones like yeah. the X-Men in Victorian England. And right. Like those could be fantastic. You know, mm-hmm. great. You've made billions of dollars doing the initial ground laying, you know, yeah. branch out and do some of the fun stuff. I could be wrong, but I think I've heard about on the uh, Disney streaming service, they're going to do a what if Marvel series. I mean, I mean, like what the the, some. I mean, I those are the ones that like I remember picking up that my brother had Mm -hmm. as a kid and being like, "What am I?" I mean, because they're just (laughs) like, "What if?" You know, like there's just one that Alex Ross does. Like, "What if like Brainiac controlled Spider Man and (laughs) you know and and Batman had a Krypton bullet?" You know, like all these sorts of like Mm -hmm. crazy things. You know, and some of it comes like some of it's like terrible. Like, what if you know someone was made of taffy? (laughs) Um, But it's also again like as someone who was interested in like these clever stories and cerebral mm-hmm. things I mean some of those I mean and I've, and I've had conversations with many friends of mine and my brother's older friends too that they're like some of the what if comics were their favorites yeah um, nice I mean I do I wanted to say two more things yes um, I watched uh, Captain Marvel and Endgame at my, a, a local place called the Flicks Brew House. Mm-hmm. They are not paying me for this story. <laughs> um, we wish they were, but we wish they were. But um, and I really liked it, and I, I, I like them for two reasons. And, I, and, and they made sort of my Endgame experience really positive for mm. these two main reasons. One, they don't show like advertisements mm-hmm. before their stuff. Um, which I kind of hate and my kids hate. So like Local it just, it just yeah. I mean, just like, I mean, some of it's like national, like, hey, you know, yeah. or like, here's like front and center. It's stupid canned crap. Like the right. kind of stuff you, pi- they pipe to your gas pump now. I mean, yeah, yeah. how did we get that? Boring stuff, yeah. You know, um, uh, which is, which is point one. And point mm-hmm. two, they fill that space with like curated content. Mm. And so for Endgame, and I don't know who's responsible for it, mm-hmm. but they showed essentially like all of these great important moments mm. from previous you know versions of the um, uh, previous movies in the mm-hmm. MCU, you know like the you know like Captain America and the fight with Winter Soldier and mm-hmm. Avengers two, and so I mean it's almost kind of like a you know here's what you missed kind of stuff because right. they invite you to show up a half an hour early and order mm. your food, which is how they make their money. Yeah. and it was it was a great experience for our kids because mm. they hadn't seen some of them. Mm. Um, and it just sort of got you ready for the moment that you're in. They also, I mean, God bless them, yeah. um, showed the like how it should have ended, uh, <laughs> addition, like episode from Infinity War, nice. which has five different possible endings to it, all of uh-huh. which are better than the original one, <laughs> including like like Thor cutting off Thanos' head, you know, at the mm-hmm. end. Um, and it was just like a, it added like a a playfulness and perspective mm-hmm. to viewing the film that mm-hmm. I really appreciated. Hmm. I mean, as opposed to like, you are watching, sorry, you are about to watch Endgame. You know, nice. where it's just like this, um, you're just funneled into this corporate experience. Like, right. isn't it so amazing? Like, let's get some jalapeno poppers. And like, yeah. <laughs> you know, it's much more like, you know, this is a movie. We're a movie theater. We have some food. We know mm-hmm. that you consume various forms of media and you talk to your friends about right. that media and you have variant opinions about this mm-hmm. media but you're still here today to see this film so it made it really positive i have not had the pleasure of <laughs> attending the alamo draft house but from what i hear uh they were maybe one of the first to do yeah, that yeah. so sort of i mean thing, just so which sh- i think was influenced yeah by shout that. out i'm going to be seeing the rise of skywalker um at the alamo draft house in austin texas this mm. december with my friend marcy and her family Nice. Um, I, I also wanted to share this. Um, I'm not sh- so. My friend sent me this book 
called mm-hmm. Keep Going, 10 Ways to Stay Creative in Good Times and Bad by a man named Austin Cleon, who I've never heard of. It, it says on the, there's a little yellow dot in the book that says, from the New York Times bestselling author of Steal Like an Artist, which I haven't read. But he introduces this concept, um, uh, which he calls success, which is spelled S-U-C-K-C-E-S-S, like suck mm-hmm. And he defines, so like, I'm just going to read this one paragraph. Says, yeah. Um, where there is no gift, uh, there is no art. You know where success is, or at least you have your own definition of it. Mine is, when my days look how I want them to look. Success, on the other hand, is success on somebody else's terms. Or undeserved success, or when something you think sucks becomes successful, or when success or chasing after it uh, just plain, uh, sorry, just plain starts to suck. Success is what poet John Cocteau was referring to when he said there is a kind of success that is worse than failure. Um, and uh, I was just reading that today. And I, in some sense, I uh, I think there's some element of success um, with the Marvel Cinematic Universe <laughs> in that like, I think they were able to take what was in some sense like a gamble. Mm-hmm. Like marginal content, mm-hmm. marginal intellectual property. Yeah. Right. Even like the first the Brian Singer X-Men, they're good. Mm-hmm. Not major films. I mean, like people mm-hmm. went to see him and they made a good bit of money. Yeah. But like make three, you know, third one's terrible. Yeah. So like choose a level five. I mean, come on. Like, could you <laughs> just... They're remaking essentially. Terrible. Yeah. I mean, and the remakes, good. I like them. Yeah. Much more, like much more about like people mm-hmm. you know like and about mm-hmm. emotions and whatnot um the second one we get nightcrawl the first two are okay yeah but like you know you make four maybe five mm-hmm. that's all you get right yeah. um so the idea and you know and like and and not like not super like disney successful stuff i mean mm-hmm. these are you know popular but you know mid-market stuff right so then to take like the intellectual property of marvel huge merger and to just to, to like turn that into a 22 movie run mm-hmm. um and i think that they found a lot of success in yeah. what they did, um, but it also trapped them. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think it forced them, like, if every one of those films um, had been like Iron Man, mm-hmm. I mean, we would be telling a different story about yeah. the, CM, you know, the MC yeah. right now, but so. they're not. Mm-hmm. Um, and there are a few gems in it, mm-hmm. um, but it as a whole is, you know, like, as a whole, it works it, yeah. and it's fun for people. Right. But like, each of the individual pieces are, I mean, uh, almost can't stand on their own in many cases, mm. um, with the exception of a few. Mm-hmm. Dr. Strange, you know, I think Captain Marvel, mm-hmm. um, Iron Man, so the Black iconic. Black Panther. Black yeah. Panther, sorry, yeah, yeah, Black Panther, absolutely. Um, uh, and so they, they develop something that works, mm-hmm. um, and and I think I think this conflict has played out um, in uh, Age of Ultron, with mm-hmm. the conflict that Joss Whedon, who always has conflict with his people, <laughs> like, work it out, yeah. sorry, love you, but <laughs> do your job. Um, always ends up conflict with the, you know, like I had a different vision, yada, yada, yada. Other mm-hmm. people, I've talked about this before, like other yeah. people like Robert De Niro and various others like have very strong visions about what they're doing and still make films that reflect that vision. I don't know mm-hmm. why Charles Whedon ends up getting in trouble. Not working, yeah. But, um, and what they, you know, and so like the, the Age of Ultron that comes out is like not the like brooding think piece that Joss Whedon wants it to be. And, you know, and like other films around it who are not directed by him and are mm-hmm. sort of guided by other visions, like they come up with something that's successful. It's a great sort of superhero film, but it becomes just like another action film. Like a yeah. lot of them are just, yeah. 
it's like Rambo 3 or, mm-hmm. you know, which is a great film. You know, Rambo yeah. First World Part 2, also quite good. <laughs> um, you know, slash, you know, you know like all those films. But they, 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 they become just those films. They're like mm-hmm. just a superhero film. And, right. and like before Iron Man, no one was like, ah, it's just another superhero film. But people say that. And it's real. Mm-hmm. Like they, yeah. they developed a formula of success right. that I don't think was totally maybe what they wanted or what was best. Mm-hmm. And that success ended up in some sense being... Um, more terrible than failure. I, I think for the for mm. the artist. I mean, I, mm. I mean, I think if you look at some of you know, I'm, I'm exaggerating here, but some of the masterpiece of Iron Man mm-hmm. in like, I mean, also, I mean, I know it has some element of lightning in a bottle. Like it's Robert Downey Jr. Like he was. I mean, right. somebody pulled him out of a fucking brown paper <laughs> bag off the side of a like rehab unit, yeah. slapped him twice, and said, "Fucking be Iron Man," and he fucking exploded right. onto the stage with that. I mean, right. like, and you can't. I mean, I don't. I mean, I, I assume like casting and screen tests and whatever like revealed that he was going to be that guy, mm-hmm. but he just fucking you know like charged back onto the stage and Mm -hmm. kickstarted that thing and kickstarted his career again in a way that was fantastic right right? um and then you know and then like as they get to the it seems like much the same the way they did with infinity war like they knew where they wanted to get and like Mm -hmm. oh we got three films to get there and yada 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 and like yeah and they just yada 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 over like seven to eight films i mean that's it's and it's successful and like by successful i mean like they make money Mm-hmm. And Disney sure makes do. money, and Marvel makes money, and yet all this stuff happens. But I mean, I think some elements of like, what about the story? You know, what mm-hmm. about like, you know, like if it's just the characters and their interactions? Like, if we mm-hmm. took the total amount of minutes of all these movies mm-hmm. and and looked at the actual moments or seconds that are like emotionally evocative and powerful, mm-hmm. like it is a small percentage of the amount of screen time that we have that they spent in these twenty two films. Um, and I think that that's part of what they're getting at. Like there, there is a kind of like, like you know, if they, you know, some, you know, for those of us who are Firefly fans, I mean, in some sense, we are blessed mm-hmm. um, that like there were only thirty episodes because they never had a chance to get bad. Yeah, right. Each right. one is better than the next one, mm-hmm. and and some and in, so like. It, it, there was never a success in that sense it was better than failure failure was almost the best for it because it could be a misunderstood piece of art that we all love that had the freedom to be what it needed to be right that reminds me of a conversation happening because um, as we record this it is the Sunday of the opening weekend of Endgame yeah and they've so they've just announced the box office which they say is probably like the greatest box o- box office for opening weekend ever and greatest um, global box office yeah. um, as well besides domestic and all the breaking these other records uh, so is obviously successful yeah. for for Marvel and Disney um, but there was this discussion on on the Twitters about the Twitters uh, the sort of monoculture that it's creating that there is literally like no room for either like mid-tier or smaller films yeah. um, is what it's becoming. Like films have to be this big or yeah. this takes all the attention for theatrical films at least. Yeah. Um, and so the studios can only kind of focus on making these things yeah. um, with the detriment to all these smaller films, which just yeah. can't compete with that. Right. Um, and so we don't have to get into this now, but it, you know, does there have to be a breaking point where you just 
Like well, everything else suffers so I mean, much from, I, from that. I mean, um, I think yeah. about like one of my favorite sort of prognosticating films, Demolition Man, mm-hmm. which was like a deep influence on my life. <laughs> yeah. I mean, if you remember in Demolition Man, like they're like, there's at one point where they go out to dinner uh-huh. and, and he's like, where should I take you? The Sloan character. And she's like, oh, and Taco Bell. Cause like all restaurants are Taco Bell. Like they won the franchise, <laughs> right? In some sense, you know, like I can yeah. imagine a future where like, oh, like, uh, all movies are Disney films. Right, like, right, like, yeah. Uh, all movies Everything are, like, a... every action Every action film is a Marvel it's film. A Marvel because film, they, yeah. they, they own all of action. <laughs> and, I mean, and there's <laughs> a sense the that, like... thing people want to see. Right, yeah. that's not, you know, and, and it's not totally unreasonable. Mm-hmm. I I unfortunately think, and I don't... I mean, who I may be totally wrong about this. Yeah. But, like, I don't think they have anywhere to go mm. after this. I mean, and, and this is what... I mean, this is, again, what I think... Why I think Endgame works mm-hmm. is they they finally like they pay attention to the big arc. They pay attention mm-hmm. to Iron Man. They pay attention to the like the inner like you know because what does what does Captain America say to him in the beginning of Avengers? Like you mm-hmm. don't have what it takes to make the sacrifice play, yeah. and he does but doesn't die right. Mm-hmm. So it, it I mean there's these individual characters that have their arcs and they and they pay attention to that like the mm-hmm. conflict between Widow. Um, and uh, Hawkeye, mm-hmm. um, which gets played out in a sort of dramatic way, mm-hmm. not satisfied with the way that it happens. Yeah, uh, but okay, you know, fine. They but like, try, yeah. but they pay attention to these arcs, and I think that's why it's successful. Mm-hmm. Um, and you know, I am excited. I think they've learned a lot about filmmaking, and I'm and I'm excited about sort of the next generation of folks. But mm-hmm. I can't possibly. I mean, and maybe I'm short sighted. I can't imagine them doing anything as big as this. Right. Like, I mean, like I, where do you go like, from I, there? I mean, yeah. it's not so much like I feel like they have expended mm-hmm. almost, they've squeezed everything they can right. um, out of this world. Mm-hmm. Um, such, right. you know, and, and I mean, there's like, there's, I mean, we don't, there's only one movie about the Kree and the Skrull, you know, yeah. like, um, and some of the best, some of the best Marvel Cinematic Universe that I love is Agents of Kill because it's about smaller characters. Mm-hmm. I mean, there's certainly possibilities there, but I mean, it just seems like. Yeah. Ooh, like big party senior frogs, but like we're done now. Yeah, um, I mean, and maybe and and maybe like other people feel differently, but like yeah. I can't imagine. I mean, I literally can't think mm-hmm. of what's gonna be next. For maybe them. they will take the chance to kind of pull back and yeah. tell a very focused story um, yeah. planned out that is smaller or yeah. more internalized. Well, I mean, and, I mean, yeah. seeing um, Logan. Mm-hmm. Um, was I mean, and Logan is the kind of thing that I would love to see more of. Yeah, like Logan's not a blockbuster. No, you know, like it's it's, no. and Logan's not a family film. No. Um, so yeah, more of a character-driven film. Yeah, great. Uh, I think we're gonna wrap up the discussion there, um, but we will be back with more movie, TV, whatever yeah. media talk next time, and we got some good things in store. Absolutely. All right, talk to you more next time.